Hi, and welcome to Northampton Bible Church's podcast. We are glad that you're here today. If you'd like to learn more about Northampton Bible Church, you can check us out at nbchurchcf.org. You can also interact with us on social media at nbchurchcf. And now, here's today's message. So we are in John chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there. Uh, My hope is that we can take a a break, (laughs) that we can exhale. And often we do that on Sunday mornings where it's kind of like, all right, this is your opportunity to... That may everything that's kind of spinning out of control or going crazy in your world, may you just sit here and take in what the Lord needs to say into your life today. And I don't say that as if I'm God. I'm saying that God's word has some things to tell us today that are very powerful and are pivotal in our lives. If we say that we follow Jesus, our lives should look different. Our, uh, the words that we say in our spheres of influence should sound different. The words that we type on social media, the memes that we share, the, the interactions that we have in the comments should look different. And not because we've got it all figured out, not because we're perfect, not because like, man, I, I nailed this, but because I'm abiding in Jesus. I'm staying connected to Jesus, that that's my goal, that's my aim, so that no matter what happens, God will produce in me the things that he wants to produce in me. If you follow Jesus, your goal should be Christ-likeness. Not to, to this better this or a better that. Jesus, I want whatever you want from me. I'm going to abide in you. <laughs> I'm going to surrender to you. And I want you to work in me. Change me. Make me more like Jesus. Because in the process of being made more like Jesus, it will change everything in your life. And so last week in John chapter 14, uh, we looked a little bit at uh, what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6. You looked at some other things as well, but John 14, Jesus says some pretty significant things. He says that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's an I am statement that Jesus makes. It's a pretty significant statement. He doesn't say that, hey, I'm, I'm a truth, I am a way. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And so he speaks of salvation in John chapter 14, and then we get to John chapter 15, and he says, not not only is this salvation, but now this is what it means to walk with me in your life. This is what it means, this is what it looks like. And I think what we have been good at in our culture, and maybe what you've grown up in and what I've grown up in, is we've been good at the first part. Of course I trust Jesus. I was eight years old. I was six years old. I was 12 years old. I was 20 years old. And I've trusted in Jesus. And I'm kind of doing my thing until things get out of control. Then I'll say, and then we don't say it that overtly. Like we go to church and we're good people. And then we know what to say in this building. But when we leave this place, we live a totally different life. And I don't mean it to call you out. I mean it to say that we got to stop living like we live in two different kingdoms. That if we live in the kingdom of God, then our lives should reflect that. Our decisions should reflect that. That all parts of our lives, even especially the parts that no one else sees, should look different. Right? And so we get to John chapter 15, and, and Jesus is talking about, this is what it looks like. If you follow me, this is what it looks like. 
This is what your life should look like. This is how you should respond. This is how you should act. This is how you should be. And one of the things I want you to see today is that faithfulness to God results in fruitfulness for God. One of the, the, the big ideas that I want you to understand today is that you're not called to produce fruit. You're not called to go and do these. What you're called to do is abide in Jesus, stay connected to Jesus, and guess who produces fruit in you? Jesus. We have gotten into this mentality, I believe, in our following Jesus where it's all about us and what we can do and us doing these things and, and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to be more patient and I'm going to be more kind and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, when really what Jesus is calling you to do and what he's calling me to do is stay connected to him. <laughs> it's so simple. <laughs> and yet we make it so complicated. And maybe it's because that's what we've been taught. Maybe that's maybe what we think that we, well, of course, we've got to do a bunch of stuff. I'm saying, understand what I'm saying, that there's an, uh, there's an amount of effort where, yes, I've got to open my Bible. <laughs> I've got to spend time with Jesus. I've got to pray. I don't do that so that I will earn favor with God. I don't do that so God says, you know what? Now I really love you. <laughs> now God loves me. God loves you. God wants to be connected to you. I think sometimes we've gotten to this mentality, though, this performance trap that I've got to do these things. I've got to produce this fruit. I've got to be good enough. And what God says is you're not going to be good enough. But the amazing thing about grace is that Jesus makes you good enough. And that's what we need to understand this morning as we come face to face with this. I've got some questions for you today, and I just want you to think about them. And if you're here and you're exploring faith, I want you to know that you're welcome. If you're online and you're exploring faith, I want you to know that you're welcome. Because uh, while we know, we believe that the Bible is the word of God, is the truth, I know that some of you struggle. And some of you would say, I've been to church all my life and I still struggle. (laughs) I don't know exactly what I believe. And I know that. And we're working hard to taking you to a place of understanding. Yep, this is what I believe. I understand it now. Because I'm willing to to take a pretty strong guess that there are some of you that follow Jesus because that's how you've grown up. Because that's what my parents believed. And of course I believe it. But do you really believe it? Do you know why you believe it? If someone were to push back against it, would you say, hey, go talk to my mom? (laughs) No, 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 no. I believe this because it's the truth, and I'll tell you why. But as a Christ follower, if you're following Jesus today, do you abide in Jesus? Are you connected to him? Are you satisfied in Jesus? I think what can happen in our lives, and I don't mean to be heavy, but I guess it's heavy, and maybe it needs to be heavy, it needs to be serious, because this is not a hey, he, ha, ha, you know, just follow Jesus, but... But we're called to abide in him. Are you satisfied? Do we, I think sometimes, and again, over a cup of coffee, you could tell me I'm wrong. I think sometimes we are satisfied in following the idea of Jesus and not really following Jesus. We're satisfied in following the things that agree with our lives and that we agree with and that that's okay. And then we're going to kind of live our lives and, and, and kind of just be a good person as opposed to God, whatever you want. Do you bear fruit in Jesus? Does your life reflect the fact that you follow Jesus? If, if you were put on trial today for being a Christ follower, would there be enough evidence that you're a Christian, that you're a Christ follower? 
I know that's old and that's cheesy, but you think about that, that my life, if, if I look at, if I take in all of that I do and all the people experience of me, and it's not so that I don't do those things so that they, oh, you're a Christian, but, but is there evidence of the fact that you love Jesus? Is there evidence of the fact that, oh, yeah, I know you follow Jesus. And I don't mean, because sometimes you know the people I'm talking about that are like, all right, enough, like dial it back. I'm not saying that they're wrong, but I'm not saying that's how you have to be. I'm just saying that, that, that my love and my, my compassion and my, my heart and my passion really is, God, whatever you want. And the other question I would ask is, are you remaining in Jesus? Is Jesus all that you need? Do you follow Jesus to get Jesus? Is Jesus enough? And I'll tell you that in our culture, in our, like where we live today, we have so much stuff. I don't know that we know what it means to truly depend upon the Lord. If I need food, where do I go? I go to the fridge and I open up the fridge that's full of spoiled food and plenty of food or whatever. If I need something, I can go to the store. If I, what, it's all there. Very little do we depend upon the Lord. And I'm not saying this as a, like, you guys need to, I'm saying to all of us that it's easy to follow Jesus when it's easy. It's easy to follow Jesus in America. But I want us to really follow Jesus, despite what happens, despite what may come. John chapter 15, we're just going to read the first five verses. There's some interesting things that you'll find out today that I think are very significant for your life. And and my prayer for you is that you will take a long, hard look at your life today. That you will not be satisfied with just, I went to church, I prayed, I read my Bible. But you would just long, God, I just, I want, I want you to have more of me. I want my life to look different. I want to be trans. No matter what the world may say, no matter what might come, I want to trust you and I want to be surrendered to you. And so Jesus, on the heels of talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, talking about the helper that would come in John chapter 14, talking about that he is the way, the truth, and the life, uh, they leave from that place and we get to verse 1 of chapter 15. He says this, that I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. I think that at times in our lives, and maybe because of our culture, we have this mentality that we can do it on our own. And that's not an indictment on everybody, and and I get it. And there's seasons that we go through and we struggle. I get all that. I'm saying in general that I feel like there's this this sense of, like, I've got it figured out. I I know that I need God, and God, I trust you for salvation. But for the most of my life, I'll take care of things until they get out of control. 
And I see Jesus saying multiple times, abide in me, stay connected to me. That apart from me, you can do nothing. And so God the Father is, is the, the example here is the vine dresser. God the Son is the vine. God the Holy Spirit is how we abide in Jesus, that Jesus is the vine. And really the life, the power, let's say, that comes through uh, the vine is the Holy Spirit. And so as we understand what Scripture says is that when we trust in Jesus, when we trust him as Savior and we follow him as Lord, that the Holy Spirit is given to us as a seal, that we are his. And he takes up residence in our lives. And it's the Holy Spirit that comes into our lives to transform us. And that, that what we see is that we stay connected to Christ and that power that comes into our lives is through the Spirit. And I think sometimes we forget about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is in us to change us, to transform us. And that we are the branches. And just as a branch can't be broken off and kind of like, hey, you can do it yourself. It, it needs to stay connected to the vine. And it's interesting that Jesus says these I am statements. If you've been around for this series, we've actually given you some deeper studies to, to dig into the I am statements. And here's the I am statements that Jesus has said through the book of John uh, that are significant because these I am statements, there are times in the book of John where he says before Abraham was, I am. Uh, there are plenty of times where Jesus is clearly saying, in case you missed it the first time I said it to you, uh, I am God. And that's significant. <laughs> And that's one of the dividing lines, and I've said this before, but I want to say this again, because we need to understand in our culture, because you might be sensitive, and we all should be sensitive to each other, we really all should love each other, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't push up against other things, but when it comes down to it, when somebody says, hey, the same God that you serve is the same God that I serve, and then I'll go back to Jesus and say, well, is Jesus God? Well, no, he's not God, then we don't serve the same God. And it's not to be like, ha, 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 I'm just telling you. we got to make sure, because we've talked about this on Sunday mornings as we've gone through Galatians, and what you see with Paul is so significant because what you see that's going on in the early churches is that they, they fully receive the gospel, that it is Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that that is the way that I am saved. And what happens is, is that these Judaizers and other people came in the church and were like, no, 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 it is Jesus, but it's also you got to be a Jew. And it kind of begins to take up off just a little bit and eventually they're over here somewhere in the weeds and Paul is saying, what are you guys doing? That we must know what we believe. That just as somebody who, if you're going to spot a counterfeit bill, you don't study the, the counterfeits, you study the real thing so that when the counterfeit comes, you're like, ah, no, no, that's wrong. My concern for many of us, even if we have a bunch of knowledge that we might not be be able to, to spot the counterfeit. And we'll say, yeah, it's just, it's, yes, it's Jesus, but you should also, yes, you, but you should. And Paul takes a stand. He says, no, it's Jesus. And that's it. Anything that then goes beyond that is Jesus plus. Anything that goes beyond that is outside the realm of the gospel. And I know that doesn't play well <laughs> in our culture. But just because people may not believe that, if that's what the Word of God says, then we need to stand on it. And it doesn't mean that we get on a, a stool somewhere and we shout negative things at people and we shout hate at people because that's not what I see Jesus doing. 
But I see Jesus in relationships, meeting needs and loving people and, and opening their eyes to the truth. May we do the same. May we be known for our love. May we be known for our care of people and not just, oh, that's, that's her. <laughs> you know? No, no. They really, I mean, we should live such lives, honestly. And it's not just a, hear my heart in this, that we should live such lives that people that don't agree with us would still want to be with us. I just made that up. That's good, right? That'll preach. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't agree with that guy, the things that he's saying and the truth that he's saying. He's not, he's not tearing me down. We just don't agree, but I'd hang out with him. I'd watch a football game with him. I'd work for him. I'd, I'd, have a, I'd go hang out at his house, socially distanced, of course. That's the kind of people that we should be, that we should stand in the truth and that we should be known for our love, but we should still stand in the truth. May we not be known as, oh, oh, you're one of those radical, you're one of those, you're one of those. Jesus was radical, but Jesus was magnetic to the right people. (laughs) If you were a religious leader, you didn't really care for Jesus too much, but Jesus was speaking the truth. And the people that needed to hear, the people that were broken, the people that were hurt said, man, I got to get to Jesus. I don't even know what he's talking about. I just want to hang out with Jesus. May we live lives like that. And so Jesus says that I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. We've talked about many of these things. The good shepherd, the resurrection and the life. Last week, the way, the truth, and the life. Today, the true vine. That there's significance in all these. And you've had plenty of time to look into them. And if not, you can, oh, I can send you stuff if you want to. But Jesus is saying that, there's, that, that I'm different than anybody that's come before me. Anybody that you thought was the Messiah. Anyone that has been a prophet or anyone that's been anything that's been a voice for God. Understand that I'm different that I am God, that I am the Savior of the world. And this is significant. This phrase, in your notes, it says, I am the vine, because I forgot to add the true there. And that's what he says, that I am the true vine. There's significance in this. And I don't know that we've ever talked about this before, and I want to talk about it right now, because uh, when Jesus, it wasn't just like, hey, they're walking along, and here's a bunch of grapes, and he's like, hey, you know what? I'm the vine, you're the branches. That may have been the case. He may have just been saying, like, let's, this is a very common thing that we're going to talk about, but I back up just one more step and understand that there's significance in him saying the vine. Because all through the Old Testament, the vine is, is connected to Israel. And all through the Old Testament, it's always negative. <laughs> and so what you hear is that when you see it in the Old Testament, that you see the vine that's not, per- not producing fruit or not bearing fruit, and that judgment is coming. And so if you were a first century Jew and, and Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're like, whoa, 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 wait, what, what's going on? Because Jesus is, is communicating something very significant to them. That he's, he's really giving them the gospel in a way that they could understand it. That he says that I, am, I have come to do what you could never do. These pictures of the vine, these pictures of this negative picture of, of you falling short and God's wrath coming, I am the true vine. I'm the one that can step in and step in that place and do these things that you could never do. That I can fill the gap. That I can be who you've never been able to be. 
that you can't be good enough. You've never been able to good en- be good enough, but, but understand that I am the true vine. That Jesus steps into their mess. He steps into our mess. And he does what we could never do. And it's so significant because we, it's lost on us, but to those first century hearers, like, oh, wait, what? What did he, did he just, what did he say? What? It's more than just grapes on a vine. He's like, look, look this, is, this is important. That I am the one who can do what you were never able to do. That I am the one who can make things right. That I am the one. I am the true vine. And that's significant. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And so what Jesus is saying here is that if you say that you're in Jesus, but you're not bearing fruit that says you're in Jesus, then really you're not in Jesus. Is that too rough for a Sunday morning? And what you could look at is maybe the difference between Peter and Judas. They're both saying they're followers of Jesus, but one was definitely not following Jesus. You can fake it for a while. You can even learn the lingo in church. You can know when to stand up and when to sit down. Some of you, I've been in church, I've had relatives like this that have been around it enough to be able to say those things. You're like, wow, they love Jesus. But really, their hearts are, they're not connected to the vine, but they look like they are. But eventually, this is significant. What you believe, I'll say it the other way in a minute, but what you believe determines how you behave. The better way to say this, and I guess I'll say it this way, how you behave reveals what you believe. Right? I follow Jesus. Let me look at your life. No, you don't. (laughs) And it's not, I think as followers of Jesus, we're, we're allowed to be fruit inspectors. And I don't mean it because we stand in judgment. I don't mean it because we're better than anybody else. But if we really are connected to each other in Christ, that we really are the body of Christ, if your sin affects me and my sin affects you, I better be a fruit inspector. Because I care about you. I want you, if you know Jesus, I want you to grow toward Christ-likeness. I want you to help me to grow toward Christ-likeness. What we end up doing in church, though, and you know this to be true, we see something going down, and what do we do? Can you believe that? You? Oh, hey, good morning. Can you? I don't know. That's sin. That's not what God calls for us as the body. We're to walk in unity. We're to bear one another's burdens. We're to lift each other up. We're to pray for each other. What we have learned in church, though, is we tear each other down or we gossip about each other in a prayer group. Let me just, I'm going to share about my brother who's stuck in sin. When we should be in the trenches with them, helping them bring them back. But the reality is that how we behave reveals what we believe. You may say that you follow Jesus, but maybe your actions betray you. Jesus says something significant here too that's the other side of that that you need to hear. That if you're following Jesus... If you truly are following Jesus, if you truly are surrendered to Jesus, guess what's going to happen? God's going to prune you. (laughs) 
If you ever watched any, sh- like, prune, I don't, I've never really pruned, I try to prune trees, but I don't, like, I just cut branches off randomly in the hopes that I'm doing, I don't know what I'm doing at all. I end up with a big pile on the ground, and the tree looks bad. But in our lives, what we see is that God says, I'm, I'm going to prune you. Why? So you can bear more, you can be more fruitful. Because there may be things in your life, because when you're pruning, you're cutting off these, these other, these parts that maybe just aren't what, again, I, I'm not a botanist or a whatever, the, I think that's what they're called. I don't know, but I know that when you prune, I'm not a light person either, when you prune, it's so that you can bear more fruit. Pruning's not fun. Like, it's not fun to get things cut off. <laughs> but in the end, God is going to use it to make us more like Christ. And we need to understand that. And I, I said this a minute ago, but I want to say this again because I want you to understand this because I think that we have gotten into this performance trap. We've gotten into this mentality as Christ followers that it's about what I can do, period. Jesus doesn't say, as you follow me, produce fruit. He says, abide in me and bear fruit. It's the Holy Spirit in my life that produces the fruit. That the vine, that doesn't, the branches don't necessarily like, okay, now I'm going to do it. It's just, it's a natural byproduct of being connected to the vine. And that's significant. And hopefully that makes sense. Verse 3 he says, "Already you've been, you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you, because of Jesus' words. He has uh, made them clean, but not all of them. Then Jesus says in verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. That we often live our lives... The opposite of that. I follow Jesus and I'm going to try really hard to be like Jesus. I follow Jesus and I'm going to do these things. I'm going to do it in my own power. I'm going to produce these things. I'm going to be more patient today. I'm going to be more kind today until you get on the road and you're like, I'm not kind at all. I'm not patient at all. And we've got it backwards. We've got it upside down because the reality is, is that I'm not to, to produce fruit. I'm to bear fruit. And the only way that I can bear fruit is if I'm abiding in the vine. There's something significant here because Jesus doesn't say, be the best speaker that you can be, uh, have all the answers, be everybody's friend, connect with it. He says, abide in me. In many ways, you have one job. In many ways, there's this choice that you have by God's power, and all of this is by God's grace and by God's power. Hear that. Abide in him. Stay connected to him. Let God change you. That's the end game. (laughs) That's what God wants to do in your life, but it's really about you surrendering to him fully. So let me give you a couple things. As true Christ followers, Jesus is saying we need to understand that we need to abide in Jesus. You've heard that word. Let me give you some words uh, that abide means. It means to reside, to connect, to depend if we're being honest, and we try to be honest, we, try, we really value authenticity, we really value uh, being transparent, really, as a people, as a church, and we sometimes, most of the time, get it right by God's power and God's grace, and there's times we mess up, and we also say we messed up. But if we're being honest, 
our lives don't necessarily look like this when we, we say we follow Jesus. Yes, I follow Jesus, but I don't, it doesn't look like this. When's the last time that you said, God, if this doesn't happen, if this doesn't come through, it's all going to fall apart, but I trust you. I think most of the time we say without saying it, God, I got this until I mess it up. God, I got this until it feels out of control. Jesus says, abide in me. And just because you abide in him doesn't mean everything's going to line up and all of a sudden, every, oh, this is great. But as I abide in him, that I trust in him, it's just like Jesus asleep in the storm, as we talked about a couple times, that it doesn't really matter because God is going to use these things for my good and for his glory. And my good means making me more like Jesus. If you're following Jesus, that should be your end game. God, make me more like Jesus. Change my heart. Transform me from the inside out. I don't know of many branches on trees that get to dictate to the tree what the tree does for them. I don't like apples. I want some pears. <laughs> and abiding is not some special level that you get to as a Christ follower. Jesus doesn't say, hey, when you attain a special Christ following uh, level, no. If you follow me, abide in me. Stay connected to me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You may be able to look good in church. You may be able to do a lot of good things in church. But if you're not doing them in the power of the Holy Spirit in your lives, you're just doing it in your own power. Jesus says you're not going to produce anything. And really, you're not producing anything anyway. Let me give you this. True, true Christ followers bear fruit. This is a word that we've been coming back to. That we don't produce it. We bear it. And that's significant. And we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. You've seen these. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law that this is significant, that these are, these are the fruit, these are the evidence, this is what is being produced in my life, and it's really all of them. Because in many ways, they're very interconnected. That if I don't love somebody, I'm not going to be very patient with them. I'm not going to be very kind to them. And you can mix it all up and say, so understand that it's not like, okay, today, God, um, I'll take joy. <laughs> no, God, form these things in me, that this is the, the fruit that comes out of my life as a result, not of me trying harder, but of me surrendering more. Does that make sense? Get out of the performance trap. Get into the surrender mindset of God. If any of these things are going to be true in my life, it's because I'm abiding in you. I'm connected to you. I'm surrendered to you. God, whatever you want. The reality is that faithfulness to God results in fruit fruitfulness for God. Do you see how it's not about you? In a very real sense, it's not about you saying, today, God, it's going to be your day, and I'm going to do all. Before your feet hit the floor, God, if anything good's going to happen, if anything productive is going to happen, if any lives are going to be, if my life is going to be changed, it's because of you. I surrender to you. It's one of the things I talk about a lot. Usually I use a pie because it's more, 
makes you think about lunch and stay connected, but this is the pie chart instead. Uh, let's imagine that this is your life and you have family and work and church and free time and, and school and private. Like, what are some other things? Because I couldn't think of any more, but I'm sure there's other, what other parts of our lives that you might have. Kids. Did you say kids? Kids. <laughs> Social media. I'll tell you what I've seen in the last year is uh, social media, uh, number one, it's already been a hotbed, but uh, that's the way that we stay connected with people the most right now because we're so isolated, and it's just, watch yourself on social media. Kids, social media, the gym, thank you, at least for the month of January. I've seen those memes where they walk into the gym in January, and like everybody's like there's a wrestling match going on, and so, yeah, yeah, I got you. Go in February, it'll be a lot, a lot better. Anything else? Part of your life? Service. Service? So what we do, what we tend to do, if I'm using the pie, I have some whipped cream, keep you engaged, and I will put like pieces. What we tend to do is we invite God into certain parts of our life. God, you can, of course, come to church. We'll hang out at church. Uh, God, um, uh, okay, that's pretty much it. I'm good. Some of you, though, say, no, 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 you know, God's a part of my family or at work. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do really good most of the time. I'm going to try. And we invite God into certain parts of our lives. We tell God, hey, by the way, my private life, why don't you uh, stay here? There was a great skit that we used to do. This goes back to when skits were really cool to do, like back when I was church camp age. It was great. Uh, your your uh, son-in-law... Miles played Jesus in it, the greatest skit ever. I'll try to do justice in like 60 seconds. But this guy who says he's a Christ follower starts off on uh, the scene and he's talking to somebody on the phone like, yeah, it's going to be great, party, blah, whatever. Again, it was the 90s. And uh, there's a knock at the door and, and Jesus says nothing, but it's Jesus. And he lets him in. He's like, hey, Jesus. And for the whole skit, he's like putting magazines away and all kinds of stuff. And, and eventually he's like, hey, I'm, I got this. I got to go to this party. And the, you, you stay. And it, like, that's the whole, like, the whole long part of it is like, you stay here. I'll leave. And then Jesus would get up and try to go with them. No, no, no. You don't understand. Like, I'm going to go hang out with my friends. And then I'll come back. And then we'll, we'll hang out. And that's how we treat Jesus. That he's an add-on to our lives. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. I want to be your life. I want you to abide in me. I want you to stay so connected to me that wherever you go, I go. Because he goes anyway. We forget that though, don't? But think about the places that you've gone this past week. Online, on social media. Places that you would never talk about in a place like this. That you have taken Jesus with you to those places. And what he wants for your life is says, let me in to every area of your life. No matter what that might mean. No, 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 Jesus, if I do that, then I'm going to lose my job. No? Do you trust me? Abide in me. Let me take care of the details. But God, if, if I let you in my relationship, <laughs> I'm not going to have a relationship. Maybe you don't need that relationship. Maybe it should look different. 
We need to let God into all of these parts of our lives. It's not just, hey, hang out with church and I'll see you next Sunday. That's convicting to me. Because there are times where, like, yeah, 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 most of this. And then there's other times, like, eh, why don't you stay here? And I'm, I'll go, you stay. That skit eventually, and this is horrible. This is definitely a 90s camp, like, camp skit. I mean, it, it drove the point home, but it's horrible. Eventually, the guy says to Jesus, who hasn't said anything, you stay here. In the process of saying, you stay here, he's like nailing him to the cross, figuratively speaking. And that's the only time that the Jesus character, like he screams out, like cries out in that moment. But it's a picture of our sin and how our sin is what put Jesus on the cross and how he willingly went to the cross for us. And I get it, that's a, it's a 90s cheesy skit, I get all that. But it's powerful when you think about that's how we live our lives. And some of us have been really good at playing the game. Like, we can come to church, like, we can chant that we love Jesus, yes we do, we love Jesus, how about you, and we can be the loudest in that group, and then we go home and we act like Jesus is still at church. And Jesus says, I want you to abide in me. I want you to bear fruit. And this is probably one of the most significant, is that true Christ followers remain in Jesus. This one is the most telling. This is why elders are not to be new converts. Because for a time, you can fake it pretty well. And for a time, maybe a couple years, like you show up at church and no one knows your private life, no one knows what's going on, and you can come to church and put on a smile like, I love Jesus, yeah. But eventually, eventually, Judas, eventually, you're seen for who you are. An indicator whether you really are a Christ follower is that you may remain connected to the vine. You remain in him. You probably heard this if you grew up in the 90s. I remember hearing this, like following Jesus is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And I know that's cheesy. I'm a little cheesy. I'm a lot cheesy. But that's what it means that I think sometimes we get, like, we get on fire, we get burned out. It's like when Jesus talked about the soils and how the, the seed takes root and it sprouts and then all of a sudden the, the sun scorches and it's gone. May we be people who are in it for the long haul to say every day, every moment, God, I surrender. I love this, this verse. It's not so much about this context, but may this be our attitude. When Jesus started to, to speak things that were hard, and people started to go away. He turns to those that were his disciples. He says, would you want to go too? And what does he say? Where would we go? You're the one who has the words of eternal life. You're the, ones who has the, you're the one who has the words of life. Where would we go? Do you love Jesus that much that you're willing to say to those things that you want to hold on to, I don't want those things because I want Jesus more than I want that. And what you have to be honest, if we're being honest today, because that's what we do. I, don't, I want that way more than I want Jesus. And so, God, I just I want to lay this piece of garbage that I keep going back to and chewing on. I give it to you. I lay it on the altar. And God, I don't want it anymore. And if, you're gonna, if it's going to be different, it's because you're changing my heart. 
Stop saying, doggone it, tomorrow I'm not going to do that thing. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, because what happens? You do, you do, you do. God, if I'm going to look different, if, if I'm going to stop doing it, if I'm going to stop going back to this well that leaves me dry, it's because I've given it to you. I don't want that. I want that, but I don't want that. I want you, and I want to want you. I want to hunger after your word. Change my heart. And what Jesus is calling you to do is stay connected to him. Abide in him, and he will change you. He will transform you. It's not complicated, but it's probably one of the easiest, hardest things you'll ever do. And so the question to you, you, for me today, is have you experienced this relationship with Christ? Are you trusting in Christ for the forgiveness of your sin? Are you trusting him as Savior? Are you following him, obeying him as Lord? That's a message if you've been in church forever, like that's the message you always hear because that's a part of the gospel. That is the gospel that I can be, if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I will be saved. You will be saved. And Jesus says that in John 14, 6, that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And then in, verse, in chapter 15, he says, not only that, but abide in me. Walk out this life in my power for you. And if you're a true, if you say, I follow Jesus, then abide in him. Bear fruit in him. Remain in him. And that only happens by his power. Brent, today, it's because of you. Change my heart. Change my desires. I invite you in (laughs) to all those areas of my life that I'd rather you not get into because I know you're going to mess it all up. Darvin, whoever Darvin is, uh, we, used to, we did this progressive dinner. My Heart Christ Home, is that something? Again, I'm going way back. Today's like a, a, a vintage Sunday. Uh, we would go through My Heart Christ Home, and he, would, you know, he invites Jesus into his life, which is a picture of this house, and he invites Jesus in all these different rooms, and there's just one room that's locked off, like you can't have that one. And it wasn't right until he invited him into the mess of that room that things didn't change in his heart, in his life for who he was. And there's some of you that say, yes, 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 I follow Jesus, and he's allowed into 99% of my life. May you be willing to, able to, by him, may you be willing to, his power to surrender it all. And see what God does. How he changes you, how he changes your circumstances, or he allows those circumstances to change you because you have the right perspective.